Welcome to the Debbie debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Bruno, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Got to get my popcorn out here. Hold on, how it works. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. It is first and goal. Ball spotted just inside the 10. Algier in. Wilson faked it to him and keeps it. Zach Wilson, the speed, and he dives for the end zone. Touchdown. That's Austin Nath. Gibbs, who is probably going to be the best pass catcher out of the three. Down. First down, he's going to get after it again. And look at the speed and the spark and the score from Gibbs. Just what Georgia Tech needed. That's Matt Bruning. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I waxed poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields up the carry. Watch out. Justin Fields. Hello, Columbus. 51 yards. Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back rankings. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Ohio State fan talking there. Oh, shit. That is why you come to the Debbie debate. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreit. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. All right, we, we're going to keep Colin for a Debbie debate extra segment. We had some things that we wanted to talk to Colin about, but they didn't really fit in our show sheet for, for uh, tonight. So we're just going to do a part two, a less formal version of the Debbie debate. And I wanted to get Colin's opinion on some things. Colin, we've talked, we've had a segment, a couple of segments for a couple of shows where we talk about potential 2021 breakouts. I want to know from your perspective, who are some collegiate players that you could see breaking out next season, coming out of nowhere, potentially? Uh, so, I mean, I think the obvious, well, not out of nowhere, but the obvious answer for a breakout is Bryce Young. Um, so we're just going to skip that one. But uh, one of my favorite guys from last year, uh, he's a guy who's kind of falling under the radar right now, uh, but that's Jalen McMillan. Um, now, he was a four-star guy. He was a number wide, 11 wide receiver. So... You know, he's not coming out of nowhere, so to speak, but he really didn't do anything this year. He had one catch for 16 yards, he had two carries for 14 yards this year. Um, and he only played four games, or he played in three games. Um, Washington played in four total. So he is going to redshirt this year, which is nice to see. Uh, but he didn't really do anything this year. But I love Jalen McMillan's skill set. Uh, I think he's such a smooth route runner. Very great release off of the line, too. Good footwork. He was really technically refined, I thought, coming out of high school. Um, and then he has good athleticism as well, too. Um, he's got speed, and it's backed up by a 10, 6, 700-meter time, which uh, I think Boz is the one who had that uh, formula to convert that into a 40 time. So I'm not sure what that is, but I know it's good. Um, I initially comped him to Jerry Judy, uh, but I don't know if he's quite as good with the ball in his hand as Judy. So... Uh, I, I kind of tweaked it a little bit more. I think he's more along the lines of like a Keenan Allen, but a little more athletic. Um, Jalen Mc, Jalen McMillan, uh, just to, for the audience, Jalen McMillan is a wide receiver out of the Washington Huskies. Colin said that, but I just want to make Washington Huskies redshirt freshman. He's given the Pac-12 uh, some love there, so you're going to have to stay up for the games that start at 10 p.m. Uh, in, in Eastern time, which is the only time zone that matters. But Jalen McMillan, Colin, giving you a reason to stay up um, uh, late at night. Uh, go ahead, Colin. You got anybody else, or did you want to say something else about McMillan? Oh, my last thing about McMillan was I just think he matches up really well with uh, what Heward's going to do in that passing game. So I think with him coming in, I think that's really going to unlock him. Uh, now, I don't know if he's necessarily going to you know, put up huge numbers in college just because it's Washington's offense, but I think you're going to see a breakout performance for him. And uh, uh, again, we got new listeners, Sam Heward, Austin, who is that? And what are your thoughts about Sam Heward? <laughs> yeah, Heward is, if the name sounds familiar, he is related to the Hewards that have played in the NFL in the past, Brock, and um, I forget who the other one is, but they, they 
the, the family, there are genes there for the NFL. So I think that played has, for the Chiefs. Brock Eward was a former Chiefs quarterback. Mm-hmm. So so there are, I mean, there the the genes are there. There are people that he probably got a little bit of help in his recruiting because of that. But he is legitimately a very good NFL prospect, in my opinion. He's going to Washington next year. I don't think much of the quarterback situation there right now, so it would not shock me if he comes in there next year and takes that starting job. Um, uh, very uh, traditional pocket passer, which does scare you a little bit because we talk all the time on the show how those kind of quarterbacks are going by the wayside a little bit. They're kind of a thing of the past, but he is very much in that Matt Ryan, Jared Goff um, like range of, of players. But I think at the minimum he's going to do very very well in college and he's going to be the best quarterback washington's had in quite some time and they i mean they've had some good college quarterbacks but i think he'll be he's he's the best in terms of pro prospects and he'll put up some nice numbers there and heward is your number one quarterback um for the incoming freshman the 2021 class is that right yes he is just barely my quarterback one um, he would pr- he would rank so much higher if he just was a little bit more mobile. But he's he's not a statue. But like a lot of the other top guys in this year's class, like Caleb Williams and Tyler Buchner and some of those other guys, like they're they're very much that Konami code running back. I wish he was just a little more, and hopefully he can pick up something in college in that regard. Give your top three just so the audience has some freshmen to watch either this spring or in the fall coming uh, in the in the upcoming fall. My top three freshman quarterbacks? Yes, your top three freshman quarterbacks. So I have Heward number one, as I just said, and then I have Tyler Buchner number two, who's going to Notre Dame. I'm not exactly sure if he's going to start or not because I know Kelly doesn't particularly like to start freshmen at most positions. you got Zach Cone going there. Yeah, I I have a feeling that Cone's going to go in there to the chagrin of most, you know, Debbie C2C people and Notre Dame fans and start. Um, and then I have Kyle McCord number three. Like I like Kyle McCord a lot. I just I had CJ Stroud number three last year. And I think the, him being there for a year and uh he didn't I don't think he threw a single pass this past year, but he at least you know gotten some games, had that long touchdown. So I I don't know if I see McCord's playing next year or not, but those are my top three guys. And then I have the thing about a lot of the top guys in this class is like then I have Jalen Milrow, who's going to Bama, who's gonna sit behind Bryce Young, like so it, it's uh, the the one year waiver thing is going to add some intrigue, I think, to some of these these battles in the next year or two. We we really don't understand how that's going to play out yet. Colin, any other twenty twenty one potential breakouts? Um, I do like uh, Trey Bradford for uh, LSU. Uh, I think that's a pretty kind of a muddled situation right now. They're, they have a couple guys in there like Emory Jr., um, TDP, Tyrion Davis-Price. Um, and then they're bringing in Corey Kiner this year, and they're bringing in uh, Goodwin too. So they have a lot of guys there. But I like Trey Bradford a lot. Uh, he's got very good long speed. He's a home run threat to hit uh, every time he touches the ball. You know, He's a good one-cut runner too. Um, and he's got great acceleration. So he gets the top speed quickly, puts his foot in the ground, uh, sees the hole and just bursts through it. And, you know, he's got good footwork too behind the line. And he looked, he looked good with his vision too. Um, you know, he, he did could stand to improve that a little bit there, but, um, but the biggest concern with him obviously is the arrest in December for, uh, allegedly shoplifting it from a Walmart, but you know, they kind of LSU kind of sweeps that stuff under the rug. So I don't think that's going to hurt him too much. Uh, so I think he's going to emerge out of that backfield this year. Um, I want to get Mr. Bruning into this conversation, and obviously we'll, we're going to talk uh, Ohio State. It has been a reoccurring topic on this show. What's going to happen with this Ohio State loaded depth chart? Of course, you got Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams. We haven't even that's a loaded wide receiver core already, and we haven't mentioned any of the incoming 2020 freshmen of. Uh, uh, Julian Fleming, G. Scott, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And then in 2021, you're going to add Marvin Harrison signing the number one wide receiver in Emeka Abuka. Do you see all of these receivers being able to make the jump from Ohio State to the NFL, or do you see one or two of them transferring the way Mookie Cooper did? Who are you asking me? Or I, I'm, I'm asking. I'm asking Colin, and, and okay. we'll throw it. We'll throw. I know your answer. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, that's just such a crowded room that they 
can't possibly keep all of these guys. Um, I like Garrett Wilson a lot. He's my favorite of the group right now. I was a huge fan of JSN coming out. Um, you know, he was my wide receiver two last year. So I was a big fan of him. You got Alave. He was my wide receiver eight. G Scott looks really good too. Uh, I'm a big fan of Agbuka. He's my wide receiver one this year. Um, so it's just too crowded. And if you notice the guy I didn't mention there was Julian Fleming. So he's actually the guy I think that needs to head out. I think he is the one who needs to transfer there. Now, I was pretty low on Fleming last year compared to most. Um, I did have him as my wide receiver six. So I thought he projected very well uh, as, a, as a good wide receiver. But I was pretty concerned with the level of competition he was playing against and the development that I thought he would need. So I'm from the same area where he went. And I was going to say, we should say that you're from Pennsylvania and Julian Fleming came out of Pennsylvania. Yeah. So you know that, that high school uh, area well. Yeah, well, I he's actually from the same district, uh, so District 4. Uh, it's the area I'm from, too. He was a single-A school, so the smallest one. you know. And if you watch his highlight tapes, too, you'll see what I mean. He's just a far superior athlete to everybody else on the field. So I was a little worried about how, the tech, how he would translate technically right away. Um, now, obviously, he tore up the camp circuit so in recruiting, so you feel pretty good about his agility, ability to project, but I thought it was going to take some time. So unfortunately, with how deep this wide receiver room is, if you don't stand out early, you can get buried. So I think since he didn't stand out right away, you know, he should take his year of development that he had under Brian Hartline and go somewhere where he could play right away, um, somewhere that can use his talent and really focal, uh, you know, make him a focal point. Um, you know, maybe Miami, Texas, Florida State, somewhere like that, where they're kind of lacking in the wide receiver department. Um, and I think that would just be the best move for him for a pro prospect move burning how can we expect julian fleming to be the one to transfer when he was one of the two freshmen who actually got snaps this year and over you know over g scott so colin you see you see g scott staying there and, and eventually becoming a, a, a starter there at ohio state well, I think the thing that G Scott offers is he offers something that, that one of the other guys don't, and he's a little bit bigger than those other guys there. Um, so I think look at Bruning, just look at this Bruning just glowing over here. I mean, he offers that uh, alpha prototypical wide receiver size. So I think he offers something there with that that none of the other guys really do. Where you know, Julian Fleming has good size, but, you know, he's a little bit more versatile with that. So I think G. Scott can stick around and carve out a really nice role there on that offense. Bernie, if you got it. <laughs> Sean, the Sean McVay gift uh, that Bruning is, yeah. is playing. Let's go. No, I mean, I agree with that. You, are, you already know that. I, look. And it's not anything against Julian Fleming. I do think Chris Olave coming back hurt him more than anybody else. We, we talked yeah. about it. If Olave would have left, I do think Fleming would have likely stepped up into that role. That's what I've said from the beginning. I agree with what I, – and I know we're going to differ on our opinion, Felix, on Jamison Williams. I just don't think he's that talented of a wide receiver. I think G. Scott can beat him out this year and be starting in his role. And, and then it's going to come down to – obviously, you're going to have Garrett Wilson and Olave are going to be the top two. Uh, and when they move Wilson into the slot, which I think they're going to do a lot still with Olave coming back, that means that you're going to have Wilson in the slot. So I think that's where G. Scott comes in, is going to be starting at times opposite of Olave. And then when they put Wilson back outside, that's when you see JSN sliding. Because he's by far, I think, their best slot receiver on the roster. But for whatever reason, they want to put Wilson into the, the slot receiver role. I am, in all honesty, not worried about Harrison, Ballard, or Abuka this year. I don't think they're going to get that much playing time, and I think they know that. I, I I don't think they committed to Ohio State saying, I'm going to play my freshman year. They know they've seen how loaded that room is. I think they know, hey, I might come in here. Maybe I'll get a little bit of time. Maybe if I'm really good in camp, I'm going to get myself a, a role in the rotation, but 
I do think something I've talked about a lot on here is going to go back to what we see, assuming we get a normal college season next year. They're going to go back to that rotation where they do that. Like I've said before, the hockey line changes of the wide receiver group where you're going to have, say it's just, even if it is Williams wins that job, if it's, if it's Wilson, Jamison Williams and Olave out there, there's going to be times where they're there and then they're going to complete line switch. And you're going to see those three freshmen from last year come out there and it's going to be JSN, G Scott jr. And Julian Fleming. And, you know, the biggest thing I think for me is going to be the quarterback, whoever wins that job and how much they really affect all those wide receivers because they're, I think, from everything, I know they didn't get a lot of practice time with the ones, so how much does Julian Fleming and JSN and G. Scott have a rapport already with the C.J. Stroud or if Jack Miller ends up winning it because those were the guys that were practicing together because when they were practicing with all the COVID stuff, it was Justin Fields was off doing his own thing with the starters. So those guys have already gotten in some kind of rapport with those guys like Stroud, it's assuming Stroud ends up winning the job. So I, I don't think, you know, I, I honestly don't even think Fleming transfers, if, if I'm being honest. I, I think with Olave gone next year, his role will increase, and, and you're just going to see, I think I talked, it was either last week or the week before, uh, with the Terry McLaurin thing. I think you're just going to see that. I don't. They're going to get enough playing time, and they're going to put up numbers. I don't think they care as much from things I've seen them post on social media and people I've talked to. I don't think they care about going out there and winning the Blitnikoff Award. They want to be in the national championship conversation and come out as true, like polished prospects. And you, the best chance you get that right now is with Brian Hartline because he's proven it with the wide receivers he's put into the NFL. Well, he's not put any first or second. Well, not any first round wide receivers into the NFL. Austin, it's going to be a new quarterback next year. I have to expect that there's going to be fewer passes, less passing volume. You've got Travion Henderson coming in, who's going to be a part of the receiving game. Is this going to work out for all of these wide receivers? I don't think that this is an Alabama situation where you're going to have you know three receivers over a thousand yards. What do you think? Is it going to work out for all of these Ohio State wide receivers? It's just such a big ask to like if you're saying that the Fleming, for instance, is going to be okay with a rotational role through his sophomore year as the number one wide receiver in his recruiting class that's a really big ask like I think it's the same for Egbuka who's the number one wide receiver in his class to ask these kids to sit or to rotate for that long especially because I'm not sure I see Ohio State being in the national championship conversation next year like and like if they're whoever ends up being their quarterback would have to have a really good first year we don't see a lot of first year quarterback like young first year quarterbacks take a team to the national championship. It's pretty rare. I mean, to a, to a one, one, but he came in in the second half of that game. Trevor Lawrence is really the only one I can think of in the past, you know, decade. So if you have, if you're relying on a Trevor Lawrence, like rise for a CJ Stroud or a Kyle McCord or whoever, I, I don't know if I see that. So assuming no national championship and having to rotate for two years, I just don't see a lot of guys, being that interested in that. And there are a lot of top programs out there that don't have a lot of wide receivers right now. Like I, the nature of all these guys going to Bama and Ohio state and, you know, like going to like four different schools, Georgia, Clemson, like you could transfer to, yeah, like a Florida state or um, like a Texas or one of these school, Texas A&M doesn't have that much there right now. Um, Michigan doesn't have that much there right now. Like there, there are big programs that don't really have that many wide receivers. You got to figure are enticing to, to kids like that. All right. Um, Colin, I want to coming back to you. Any other 2021 breakouts that you wanted to mention before we go into the real divisive issue uh, on this show? Let's get into that divisive issue. I'm, I've been excited. Let's for get this. into the divisive issue. And that, of course, is Zach Wilson versus Justin Fields. I want to know, I want to know your take in a vacuum. Give me your take on Zach Wilson, meteoric rise, his true junior season. Um, I, you don't have to make a comparison at all. Just give me your thoughts on Justin or excuse me on Zach Wilson and what you think his NFL upside is. Do you think that this season was a mirage? Give me your thoughts on, on Zach Wilson. 
so I don't think that's uh, it's a mirage at all. Like, I like his pro prospects there. I think he's going to end up grading out for me um, pretty much right on par with Joe Burrow. Um, so I think that's going to be like right about where he'll end up grading up for me. He has really good mobility. You know, he moves well in the pocket. And he vo- evades rushes really well. Um, you know, he could pick up some chunk yards on scrambles, um, can make a guy miss in the open field on occasion. Um, but the most important thing with all that mobility is it's, it's nice. And it's definitely something that I look for in a quarterback, but he does a really good job keeping his eyes downfield too, when he scrambles. So I, and it's sometimes it is a bit of a fault. You know, he does keep a, an eye downfield. He's looking at that vertical game and he'll miss his check down at times. Uh, but I love that he keeps his eyes up when he's scrambling. You know, he's, he's constantly looking to make, make a big play downfield, but that's not the only part of his game that he has. He does go through progressions really well. You know, he'll often hit the right read. Um, yeah, the, the biggest issue he faces for me, um, he doesn't always make the best decisions when he's under pressure uh, or when he's moving around outside of the pocket. You know, sometimes he makes some questionable decisions. There was a throw in the Coastal Carolina game where it was a beautiful throw. It was cross body, opposite hash. You know, it was gorgeous and it worked in college. I don't know if that's going to necessarily work at the next level. So he's going to need to rein that in a little bit, but I think it's easier to rein something like that in than to teach that gunslinger mentality that he's kind of shown. Um, and then he just kind of checks all of all the boxes that you want to see for, as far as arm strength, you know, NFL caliber arm uh, for sure. You know, he's got a nice fastball too. Um, it shows good accuracy overall. So um, he needs to improve the accuracy a little bit. Uh, which I think that issue kind of comes from his throwing ang- his arm angle when he throws it comes in a little bit low. Um, I don't know if I would change that at all because I think he's you know just a great prospect overall. But it's just something that I kind of noted when I was watching him. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm a big fan of Zach Wilson. Yeah, he's going to be my QB uh, three this year, but on par with Burrow, I think. Well, uh, so I have a, an issue with you know I think the Debbie community has been watching the Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence um, competition since they were in high school. And I think that, you know, a lot of people have a problem putting Zach Wilson over Justin Fields. How far, you know, but some people have, blue check marks have, Dane Brugler of The Athletic has. has, uh, I think Mel Kuyper has had um, Zach Wilson going number two overall. How far, you said you have him number three, how far is Zach Wilson from Justin Fields as a prospect? He's not that far for me. It is pretty close. Um, but I think Fields just has an astronomical ceiling, especially when it comes to the fantasy side of the game. You know, his legs are going to give him a massive advantage as a fantasy quarterback. Uh, but, you know, overall, he's just he's got top-notch tools, Fields. Um, you know, he has a cannon of an arm. You know, he's got the athleticism that you look for you can design run plays for him he's that type of a runner now he flashes really good accuracy at times it is a little bit inconsistent he does miss some throws that he needs to hit and i do have a little bit of a concern with him um you know because most of his throws are either his first read or this check down you know he doesn't hit a lot of those middle reads and he goes through the progressions but it's either first or check down um and Ohio State does have a ton of skill position players there and that great O-line. So he has had a lot of weapons, and it's been a very safe environment for him. So I'll be interested to see how he does moving at the into the into the pros. I think he's going to need a little bit more work overall than people are necessarily giving him credit for. Uh, but his ceiling's just higher for Wilson than Wilson. So that's what gives the biggest nod for me there. Okay. Would you be surprised if the Jets took Wilson – uh, number two overall? Um, I would actually be a little bit surprised by that just because I don't necessarily think that they're going to take a quarterback. Um, I think that they're probably going to stick with uh, Darnold. But uh, I do think that there's a good chance that Zach Wilson could go ahead of um, Fields in the draft. Uh, I think that's definitely a possibility for sure. Is our who is more landing spot dependent of the two? Because I think this is actually like a really good debate because I do think both of them need a little bit of help. I don't think they're quite the the Trevor Lawrence where I think any system, any situation, they can kind of you know 
know, morph themselves into whatever that team needs. Um, do you, do you think that, that Wilson needs more support than fields early on or, or vice versa, or, you know, equals the cop-out answer. So don't say equal. <laughs> well, if you're going to take equal off the table, I mean, you know, I'm a cop-out kind of answer kind of guy. Uh, no, I do think that Zach Wilson needs a little bit more work than Fields. Um, and like I said, Fields definitely needs some work. He needs some refinement for sure. But we've seen it for two years from him, uh, whereas we've only seen this for one year from Zach Wilson against subpar competition. Um, you know, it's pretty he, – he had some decent defenses there that he played. But, you know, overall, I think that – I still have questions about Zach Wilson being able to do it at an elite level. Now, not questions enough that I'm willing to drop him too far, but I think Wilson is more landing to uh, spot dependent because we haven't seen it from him as much. I'm always having a good hair day, Austin, but it's it's, (laughs) it's definitely nice to have one, huh? Wow. Don't, don't, Shout my my come on no. my private it messages into it wasn't, it wasn't into a bad me. thing. It wasn't a bad. Aaron thing. the DMs. Yeah, if you guys are listening to this podcast, go watch the live show because I'm having a damn good hair day. <laughs> Still got a <laughs> lot of people watching. Surprising, and, and I don't get to leave the apartment to work anymore, so nobody nobody got to enjoy this. So it's just me at home. Hey, same here. Uh, I actually did my hair for the first time in I don't even know how long. And I did it all because I was on the live show tonight. So you're welcome, guys. By the you way, get you're that. getting killed in the David Bell juju poll right now. I am. Yeah, it's not even close. Last I looked, it was like really? 80 to 20 percent David Bell. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get that. I think Pete, like people all season were saying, like, um, you know, Deont- they'd rather have Deontay and Claypool than Juju. I and I think, I think not that's Claypool. I'd rather have Deontay. That's totally wrong, in my opinion. I think Juju's superior to all those receivers um, as a Steelers fan. And it makes me it, – it just kills me because Juju's leaving this offseason. Like, there's zero chance he comes back, but – So it's 70 like, to 30 now. Okay. All right. I'll have to start getting my my paid, uh, you know, my paid shills out there to, to vote. But are there any other ones that stand out to you right now? Are you looking at the results? Yeah, so let's see. Going through them, I mean, Godwin right now is one hundred percent over Pickens. Thomas eighty eight percent over Pickens. Uh, Wilson sixty three over Tua. DeAndre and Jonathan Taylor both <clears throat> both seventy eight percent over Bijan. This one surprised me. I was actually going to go the opposite of of Colin Kelsey eighty percent over Gilbert. Maybe that's just because people don't really know Gil. I would have gone Gilbert just because. I think what he's going to do on the college, I don't know if he'll put up like Pitts numbers at Florida, but I think he could be close. And what we talked about, obviously getting that college production uh, for two years and then getting a young stud tight end, especially in a tight end premium, I think is going to be huge for me. I still think Kelsey probably has three or four years left, but at that point, that's when Gilbert's already entering the NFL and you're hopefully going to get that kind of production out of him moving forward. Which way would have, would you have gone Austin? That's a tough. Kelsey's not that old. I know, I know. It's just <laughs> like, I, like I, like I know. We talk all the time, especially on my other show, Colin, and I talk about like three year windows. Like I don't, we don't really look beyond three years that much. But I think I would be comfortable, or at least somewhat comfortable, saying that Kelsey probably has more than three years. Um, yeah, so thirty? Is he thirty or thirty one? I think he, I think he's thirty one. So he's just over the hunt, but like. I, I've seen stats, and I, yeah, I, 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 I keep meaning to go dig it up, and I never do. But once tight ends hit like a certain amount of time in the league, they last longer than every other skill position. So it, like, I think that that now, I mean, Kelsey's established. I mean, he can have like a Tony Gonzalez type yeah. career where he plays at a decent level until he's thirty-eight, um, and he's shown he can already do it in the NFL. So, but I do like, I, I mean. I guess I like Gilbert going to Florida. We didn't really talk about that at all. The show. Maybe we yeah. should talk about that now. What do we? What does everybody think about Eric Gilbert going to Florida? Matt, kick us off. With I mean, that. I think my biggest thing is who's going to be the quarterback. I think Gilbert's got the talent. It really didn't matter where he go here, where he goes. It's just going to be because I, I think in that offense we've already seen what they were able to do with Pitts. I mean, you have a lot of people saying Gilbert's going to be even better than Pitts. So I think that they'll still figure out a way to to implement him and use him in that offense. Yeah. Felix, do you have any thoughts on it or are you sitting this one out? No, I think that there's a chance that we haven't seen the best quarterbacks yet at Florida. 
um, with uh, with Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. I mean, I thought that they looked decent, even though they were blown out uh, against Oklahoma, but they got a chance to play. You know, Anthony Richardson might end up playing wide receiver there, but I like I, I like him, and I like uh, what Emory is it Emory Jones? Is mm-hmm. it Emory? Yeah. yeah, Emory Jones. Yeah, I liked how um, you know at least what he looked you know, getting his feet. I mean, he's played a little bit uh, up until this point, um, and so you know, Florida might be getting ready to reload, especially adding somebody like Gilbert. Um, both Jones and Richardson offer more than Trask did in the running game, so I think that that's something that's a, a tra- attractive. And you know, Florida's going to be a, a fun team to watch again next year because of what they're. Um, the, because of the new quarterbacks and because Eric Gilbert is there. So, yeah. Yeah. Very different offensive setup next year. Uh, I think this is going to be interesting. Has Mullen run a system where he's had a majority rushing quarterback? I have not gone through it. I mean, I know he was at Mississippi State before this. And Dak, like Dak, was not much of a runner at Mississippi State, was he? Like they used him in the pocket a lot more. So, um, I don't know if he has a lot of experience running an offense where that, that, that's what his quarterbacks are best at. Um, so it's it, that that is like an intriguing situation for me next year. Colin, what do you think about? I mean, we talked a little bit about Gilbert there on our show, but just the quarterback situation there and kind of what you expect from him. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we mentioned it a little bit on our our most recent uh, campus life show, but um, I think the biggest qu- question there, the offense overall, is like you guys were saying, the quarterback situation, but. Say what you want about Dan Mullen. Uh, Austin, I know your thoughts on him. You know, he's kind of an asshole overall. He's pretty clueless. But the guy knows how to develop quarterbacks. Um, So I think that he can get the most out of Emory Jones. And I think that he's going to turn him into at least – he's going to be able to scheme something up to make him at least a productive passer, maybe not a great passer, maybe not a great NFL prospect. But I think he's going to get a lot out of him. And I think that Gilbert is going to be – pretty much the focal point of the wide receivers there next year. I mean, I like Jacob Copeland, um, you know, so he's still going to be there. Shorter still going to be there who I'm lukewarm on. Uh, he was a former Penn state guy. So, you know, I kind of have a soft spot for me there, but he didn't really do anything at Penn state. He didn't really do anything at Florida last year. Um, so I think that it's going to be the Eric Gilbert show for the most part. So I like the situation for him. Shorter is one of those guys that people say, man, if I was six foot five and built like that, I would, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, he's a real, real, I mean, I don't want to call him a disappointment, but given his frame and his athleticism, I think you have to say um, that he is. And I don't really understand why uh, he's not, he hasn't been more productive than he has been already. So. All right, so next was Kyle Pitts is winning 92% over TJ Hawkinson, which is surprising to me. I honestly thought that'd be closer. Like, I love Pitts, but, I mean, Hawkinson's my tight end three for Dynasty. Would you guys all go Pitts easily over Hawkinson or no? Not easily. Um, I don't have that many strong thoughts either way about that, but Hawkinson's a guy that has already done it. And he has this crazy former tight end coach. It's now his head coach. So I got to think they, they – and no receivers, really. I mean, we have yet to see what they're going to do with that. So I I don't know. I like that situation. I, he Maybe he doesn't quite have the upside, but quite frankly, we've seen – like Eric Ebron had hype. Like I don't know if he had quite the Kyle Pitts hype, yeah. but like we've seen these guys come into the league before and like not acclimate at all. So I, I think I'd be more comfortable taking Hawkinson. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying there with Hawkinson for sure. And I mean, Hawkinson is my tight end three right now on the dynasty side. And uh, I think him adding golf actually helps too, uh, because golf's going to kind of check things down a little bit more. It's not going to be as vertical of a passer as Stafford was, which I think that's going to favor the tight end uh, and the running back in Swift. But all that being said, I think Pitts is a top tier tight end prospect. I mean, he hits all the metrics that you want for a tight end from production standpoint. Very good athlete. He's a proven threat as a receiver. Um, you know, he runs really nice routes too. He's got strong hands and excellent ball skills. So, you know, give me the guy who's going to project to be the dominant receiving threat as a tight end early in his career. Because I think Pitts has a Travis Kelsey type ceiling if you put him in the right situation. Um, and you mentioned Eric Ebron. 
I think that's kind of his floor in the worst situation. And Eric Ebron's fine and is his tight end streamer. So, you know, even if he busts air quotes here, I think uh, Pitts is still going to be a useful player. And the biggest thing with tight end is I want somebody who's going to be a difference maker. You know, I don't want somebody who's going to be replacement level. And this past year, the tight end eight and the tight end 16 were separated by nine points. So, you know, give me the guy I think is going to be an absolute difference maker at the position. How do you feel about the tight? Well, I mean, Hawkinson, you're a Lions fan, Felix. I mean, what? Yeah, you but have I'm taking pits on that one. Yeah. I'm taking pits in that one because, I mean, I've heard this before that, um, that, um, Kyle Pitts comp might just be Calvin Johnson. And that, uh, I mean, that could be, that could be the case. You know, it's funny, um, watching JT O'Sullivan's, um, cut ups of Kyle Trask from last year. He kept saying, uh, that guy's going to be a player. <laughs> that guy, I mean, he's, he's a quarterback, but he kept saying that guy's going to be a player. That guy's going to be a player. I can't think of Kyle Pitts's number off the top of my head. Is he 81? 84. He, yeah, 84. he didn't, he wouldn't even say his name. He just say 80, 84 is going to be a player. 84 is going to be a player. Um, and that, so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that Kyle Pitts value is so ridiculously high that I could always, you know, get TJ Hawkinson probably plus something else. And then the, the, the I mean, there's a chance that Kyle Pitts actually hits. I don't think he hits in his first year. But he's going to be a young player, a young athletic player, and just hopefully he goes to an offense where someone's not going to try to, you know, I don't know, use him like some sort of inline blocking tight end. I don't know. I don't understand why we haven't seen. Speaking of, the last time we saw a a, well, we've seen a couple of of tight ends who were this athletic. I mean, not as athletic as as Kyle Pitts, but I mean that class with Evan Ingram and David Njoku and OJ Howard I mean none of those guys are options that you want to have and they're they were all you know really athletic players especially Ingram who ran a faster 40 time than Odell Beckham I mean you know and he hasn't I don't know that you're excited to start Evan Ingram on any of your fantasy teams and Evan Ingram was the NFC it was in the NFC Pro Bowl as for tight end so was TJ Hawkinson um so yeah give me give me give me Kyle Pitts pretty easily um tight end is not a position i prioritize but if i am gonna prioritize over these two give me the one with the higher ceiling and the higher value uh right now so which is kyle pitts here's another fun one we're just kind of going through felix and looking at some of these polls that are up so far and there, I mean, there's i yeah i the jt uh the 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 daniels one versus versus um Lamar Jackson was just so inflammatory to me. Just such an inflammatory question to even – like JT Daniels has done like – I mean very little up to this point. Lamar Jackson is it's, an MVP. It's not the most lopsided result right now though. <laughs> that actually what, blo- that that one is, blows that, my mind. Yeah. It's like 10% what, to 90%, but there's a couple that are that are more lopsided than that. That is so crazy to me. What is – um. The one that's lopsided is Dobbins and Spiller, at least which, the last time I saw. Which is bizarre to me. So it's not like I, I, I voted Dobbins. I like Dobbins. I, I, I think situationally he's set, but I think people sleep are sleeping on Spiller, man. I think mm-hmm. we're going to be talking next year. Spiller and Hall are going to be a lot closer than we're talking about right now. Well, maybe not because uh, Hall has that whole backfield to himself and Spiller has a lot of other guys there. I mean, LJ Johnson just committed there today and they have Achain and and Aeneas Smith, so maybe Spiller doesn't quite get as many touches, but I just think I, Spiller's a little bit bigger. I just see I see a ton of Joe Mixon and, and Isaiah Spiller, and uh, Joe Mixon's a guy that I like, and if not for circumstances, I think would be viewed quite a bit higher. Do you guys have a comp for Brees Hall? Because I don't have a comp for Brees Hall. I think that's a difficult one for me to to uh, like. I, I'm a little less certain about projecting him because I just don't see another running back when I watch him play. I have Yuck, a comp for Brees Hall, but I'm not going to get in trouble here. So um, I'm <laughs> going to save that one until until it's like until I'm really certain on that one. I don't want to start any fires again. Um, so 
Matt, who's your Brees Hall comp? Because I know you're the Brees Hall guy here. I don't like doing comps. Remember, we talked about this. <laughs> I'm horrible at it. I just don't think that there's that big of a difference between Hall and Sincere McCormick and Isaiah Spiller and – I mean, those three, like I, I mean, we talked about this on the show. I think if you've got the one-on-one next year and you're deciding between Brees Hall and, you know, it doesn't feel, that doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel great that you just lost that whole season and you're getting, you know, Brees Hall to build your dynasty team around. I don't, so. It's and, not then, a, and, and, and you, you, you can say again. Said it's not a decision. It's Brees Hall. There's not like what, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm not. I'm not arguing. I'm not. I'm not necessarily arguing with that. I'm just saying that you know his ceiling compared to the, at least the 2020 running back class and even this running back class. I mean, I think you would take all of the the five 2020 running backs. I think that you would take. I would take Etn Williams and Harris over him in this class. So. Oh yeah, J- Javante versus uh, Brees Hall, Matt. Brees Hall. Oh, <laughs> I'd have for me right now. If I was ranking those guys, it'd probably be Harris Hall, Javante Etienne for me right now. I I love Brees Hall. I think he's again, but I'm also I know my evaluation on running backs is different than Felix. I don't care about the long speed as much as he does. I. I it goes to uh, I forgot who. I think Alfred posted something the other day about Kevin Harris and Brad. Uh, uh, from Debbie watch po- said something about it too. Like I, it long speed doesn't matter to me. If you're consistently eating up yards, every time you get the ball, you're going to be a productive running back in the NFL. You'll get your touchdowns. I, I don't need him to score a 70 yard touchdown. Every time he touches the ball, it just doesn't matter to me. So, okay. And my, right. my cop, I mean, my cop I... for Brees Hall. Now that I'm thinking about it, don't hate too much. Cause I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think it's pretty accurate. I'm gonna go with Jim Brown. I just think, you know, they're right there on that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. You guys I'm, said I, I could mean, drive. That's... I need muting power if I'm going to drive. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, Felix? Right, Austin. I, I was going to say, I mean, you mentioned Jim Brown. At the time of his game, Jim Brown was like the biggest, strongest, fastest dude playing football. And I like big, fast dudes, big, fast, strong dudes playing football. And Bryce, Brees Hall is none of those things. And I mean, the I guess the the guy who most fits the profile of what I like either be used in the passing game, you know, very well developed in the passing game, or be an elite size adjusted athlete. I think that that's Isaiah Spiller, the most likely to be Isaiah Spiller, Um, not necessarily Brees Paul. I mean, my comp was him for him was going to be a rich man's Devin Singletary. I mean, that was going to be my my comp for him. So, oof. Yeah, don't, don't tell him. Don't tell him what he said. No, don't we're talking. I know we're talking about Isaiah Spiller because Devin Singletary can't hold Brees Hall's jock strap. So I don't know what you're talking about. That's fair. So the other, um, the other pool. Man, that this is- next couple of years of me rubbing these receipts in your face is just going to be wonderful. I cannot wait. Oh, Felix has already said we're getting to at least fifty shows, so. <laughs> There, there'll be plenty of time for that. It'll be good for the show. I mean, go ahead. I mean, it, that's fine. It'll be good for the show. Whoa. Well, how many how many receiving yards is Kyle Pitts going to have? Like 1,200? 1,200. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's what I settled yeah. on. So. It's going to be damn near a wide receiver one as a rookie. Let's uh, go. Rookie tight end. Well, we'll see. The other poll here that's interesting to me is this one that we put up. I put up a, a four-parter. And because on the, on the show sheet we had had like Demos or Jarrett or Cooper Cup or Michael Gallup, yeah, and I thought that was a very intriguing question because I see I think those are Thank four you. players that the value is all over the place on the four of them, and it looks like right now um, about an hour into them being up, Raheem Jarrett is leading that group at about forty five percent, and then Cooper Cup is second at twenty seven. And then Gallup at 15 and DeMoss at 12. I thought, uh, so I actually really agree with that that order. I thought DeMoss would be a lot higher. Is the shine starting to come off of him? I think it's not a, what's it called? Um, he's just in the background. You haven't heard from him. Like people who pay attention are still trying to figure out why he hasn't played. So I actually would have gone Jarrett DeMoss. I voted for Jarrett, but I think I'd still take DeMoss over Cup and Gallup. Just 
based on upside alone. I think Cup's upside is limited with Stafford there now. I think Robert Woods is actually the play for Stafford more than Cup. And I like Gallup, but I just you don't know where he's going to go. I don't think he's going to be in Dallas. So I, I still like uh, I still like Demos and his upside. Yeah, I'm absolutely there with you with Cup. Um, I'm kind of – I'm not all out on Cup, but I am definitely concerned without his buddy Goff there that he's going to take a nosedive here. So uh, I would have it pretty much the same way that you would there. I'd probably put Gallup over Damas just because I think Gallup's going to be a free agent here. He's going to go somewhere where he can hopefully get showcased a little bit more. Um, and Damas was pretty raw as a wide receiver overall coming out. So I think that I would put Gallup over Damas, but that one's definitely close. Um, but yeah, I, I would probably put Cup last on that list, to be honest with you, actually. Damon Demas, let's do this. Transfer to Wisconsin. You can team up with Green, Graham Mertz. You can stretch the defense. You haven't played football in, in two years now. By the time we get to next year, we'll, you know, you're, that'll be your first in-game action in, in dang, almost in three years. Come on, DeMond Demas. Let's go to Wisconsin. Go Badgers. I mean, that was the freakiest athlete. The, probably the only reason that he didn't you know, in, increase his um, his profile uh, as a senior is because he didn't play his senior year. But he's the, the guy with the 40-inch vertical or whatever it is and the sub-4, 540. I mean, man, can we get this dude on the field somewhere, transfer to Wisconsin? I'm, it's surprising to me that Jarrett is up there, especially when you consider that Matthew Stafford is, is in, um, in, uh, uh, LA now. And Matthew Stafford has, does, can raise the tide for all ships. I mean, he put together, you know, I was going to, that was going to be a lot. I was going to say Mike Fury and Roy Williams. He did not play with those two, <laughs> but he's, I mean, he's, he's had thousand yard seasons with Golden Tate and, and Calvin Johnson and, very close to that. Uh, Nate Burleson has had good seasons. And so I think that um, he is going to, um, he's going to make Cooper Cup, and, Cooper Cup and Michael Gallup very productive. I don't know. I don't, I don't know about Rakeem. I, like I, I want to, I like, I still like Demas. I still really like Demas. I mean, I was tweeting. <laughs> there would be like, you look on Twitter and there would be my tweet about, Demon Demas, please transfer to whatever school. And then the next tweet would be Demon Demas saying, I'm not transferring anywhere. Like, you, you know, not, not that he would at me, but like if you just typed in his name, that would be the order of tweets. Um, Michael Gallup, why did I think that, that was Robert Woods there? I, I thought that that was Robert Woods. Okay. In the, we, we knew who you meant. Um, All right, I will take Cup. I like Michael Gallup too. This is hard. Um, Michael Gallup needs a new team though, so I'm going to take. I'm going to take Jared Demas because I like. I do if this in the C2C context, I like taking the players that I love. So I'm going to take Jared Demas, Cup Gallup in that order. But I actually like all of these players. I like Cup the least. I, li- I like Michael Gallup. And I like the two college receivers. So it's hard for me to buy into Demas or Demas or however you say it when like his best highlights are not on a football field. Like it's <laughs> it's him like jumping over three dudes and dunking on the goalpost at like a camp or you know, like like all the stuff you see of him is like not him on a football field. So it, I don't know. Like I, I I put I think I had him in my top five last year just because of how athletic he was as a you know coming out of high school. But at this point, you know, not playing for two years, couldn't get on the field last year for whatever reason. And I don't think that Jimbo has a um, like a reputation for not playing freshmen. At least I don't remember that being the case. I mean, he won at Florida State. I thought he played a lot of freshmen. Um, yeah, when he played Spiller some last year too yeah. as a freshman. Yeah. So, and it's not like they're stacked at wide receiver at Texas A&M either. I mean, they got like Chase Lane, and after Osborne dropped out, um, like it's just not that you know a stacked wide receiver room. I don't know. I think I'm. I'm mostly out on Demas. I don't have him anywhere because he was just going way too early for me last year. But yeah, that's my problem with Demas too. Is he was just going too early for for where I had him. I had him just outside my top five, so I don't have Demas anywhere either. 
Uh, I like him because he's got all the tools that you look for, but I'm a little concerned with the, him not getting on the field at all and just you know how much has he developed technically because that was my biggest question there. And if he's not getting on the field, is he developing that more? You know, in practice, you're not seeing it in the games, so I'm a little bit concerned with Demas. Yeah, yeah. Was well, that the the second show for tonight, guys? We wrap it up at this point, I think. Yeah, we can. Well, I got to ask you, did you answer the Brees Hall or Josh Jacobs question since they're the same player? I don't know if you preferred one or the other. I I, I, I did. You did? Okay. I, I did. I, I picked Hall over okay. Jacobs. Very close, though. Very close. You know, I had I to separate him. Yeah. That's probably the best comp for him, really, is Josh Jacobs. So. It, yes, it is, in my opinion. Cool. Well, I think that's the show, the second show for tonight, guys. When are we airing this one? Like, when are we releasing it? Same I'm time? probably not going to put these up till tomorrow because I've got stuff I've got to still do before I go to bed. So, but I'll probably do this one. I'll do the first episode first and then I'll put up the second one on like Friday. So there's a little bit of a breaker. I can put them both up tomorrow. It doesn't matter. Whatever you guys want to do. No, I can only listen to myself talk so much out of a day. So whatever you want to want to choose to put up is is good with me. <laughs> well, that's right. the show for tonight, guys. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. I've always wanted to say that. Maybe we'll get you on next week. Sorry, we had to bump you. Until then, for Felix Sharp, for Matt Bruning, for Colin Decker, this is Austin Nace, and this is Debbie Debate. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama. Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter up, caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. For the freshman. He made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.